Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you're having a good day, and thank you for letting us be part of your day. Here's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo Research. Uh, we're getting into uh, you know that time of year with crop tours and estimates of crop size and, of course, the tariffs and the trade tensions that are going on. We're going to talk markets with Steve Nicholson as we head into fall. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, will join us. They had their annual meeting last week, and also they submitted comments to EPA on the RVO levels for 2019. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk with our friend Gene Miller, who farms in the St. Joseph, Missouri area. They finally are getting some rain, too late for the corn, but could still help the beans and certainly help pastures and just help things in general. We'll talk about that and what uh, that corn crop, whatever there is out there, uh, what are some of the early uh, harvest results? They're already going out there, getting into it, and uh, many cases not finding much corn at all. We'll talk about that with Gene. And also an interesting uh, ag lottery set up uh, in the state of Missouri for some water and some grazing. We'll talk about that as well. But right now, let's kick things off with Chris Clayton from DTN. Chris, how are you? Uh, doing well, Mike. How about yourself? Very good. Well, it's it's somewhat of a slow time with Congress really not in session, the House being out there this month, but there's still plenty going on, that's for sure. But we're kind of ramping up. We get back after Labor Day, and a lot of things are really going to come to the uh, the front burner. Uh, it really is because you're not only going to have the farm bill, but, you know, September 30th is the end of the fiscal year. Um, so how many appropriations bills will be done? Um Chances are, as we see every single year, it seems like anymore, you'll have a continuing resolution, basically, right, to extend out mm-hmm. because they won't be able to get any any of the budgeting done. And um, this game happens basically every year, and, and, and it's likely that we'll see that again. I'm always amazed and frustrated the way Congress works. They know the calendar. They know what the deadlines are, those that they choose to meet, and then they're always saying, oh, we're up against this, and, we, you know, we don't have time to get this or that done. They put themselves in this position year after year. Well, they do, and it seems like there's always something, though, that, uh, you know, basically operates as a vacuum. And this year, of course, it's, it's uh, you know, beyond the Farm Bill. It's uh, now the uh, Kavanaugh nomination for uh, Supreme Court, and, you know, hearings are supposed to start right after Labor Day, and that will just take up everything that is going on in terms of uh, news coverage coming out of Washington uh, right there. That'll be the dominant focus, and so that takes away, you know, what's happening with floor time, for instance, in the Senate, because all the senators are going to want to come down to the floor and talk about the Supreme Court nomination rather than, you know, say, an appropriations bill or even the farm bill. So um, that, that'll that be the, uh, the the challenge, trying to get anything else done beyond the Supreme Court nomination. Then, of course, it's interesting. We're watching these NAFTA talks, and uh, talks continue with Mexico. It sounds like we're close. The big question is, where does this leave Canada? When will they come back into the fold on this? Uh, what are you hearing on NAFTA? 
Well, it seems like the United States, you know, the Trump administration, the the deal is they're going to try to get something done with Mexico and then tell Canada, take it or leave it. I, I think seems to be the, 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 uh, the way it operates. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to hear and, and see what they champion and what they push. You know, we always hear the focus on, on dairy uh, and supply management. And, and, you know, that's a where the United States sees opportunity for markets, yet at the same time, you know, Canada's dairy production is only about the size of Wisconsin, really not even that big. So, you know, they're trying to protect what they have in terms of production, and we're going to try to push on that. And then the grand scheme of all that, though, you know, you can't even really do the decimal point of how small and insignificant dairy is in the grand scheme of all of the trade that happens between the U.S. and Canada. So how fixated are we going to be on, on this point as a country when it's such a small amount of everything that happens between our two countries? We will see how that plays out. We've heard dif- differing reports that Canada may be close to coming back in. Other reports say no. We'll see how that plays out. We're talking with Chris Clayton with DTN. And you, you bring up a point we get focused on the key ag issues, very important to our dairy producers, no doubt. But as you point, also point out, Chris, when negotiators are sitting at the table, they're looking at a much bigger, broader picture, and it remains to be seen how they will handle a, uh, one particular issue like dairy, although it's important to U.S. agriculture. All right, let's talk about some weather issues. Uh, the president has ordered federal assistance to areas in Iowa affected by severe storms, tornadoes, winds, and flooding this summer. Uh, it's been a challenging year in parts of Iowa. Um, yeah, it's been a situation where, you know, Missouri has been in a drought. Iowa, we've had too much rain, uh, you know, just over the past couple of days. It, it felt like we were uh, here in southwest Iowa. It felt like we were basically uh, looking at the eye of a hurricane. Um, high winds and two days of heavy rains. Uh, finally stopped uh, late last evening, but, you know, you had rains coming over from Illinois and really covering much of the state of Iowa just over the past couple of days and lots of flash flooding. So, um, I, you know, crop-wise, honestly, I, you know, it, it translates into probably pretty good production for both corn and soybeans, uh, but, you know, they're going to look hopefully for a dry out so they'll uh, be able to get in the fields in September and October. But uh, certainly we've had intense rains, and yet, again, just south of us in Missouri, they've been struggling with uh, not enough moisture. And we're into that time of year now of, uh, of crop uh, predictions and projections. Uh, this this year, the, the cloud hanging over all that, though, as we look at what will probably be overall some pretty big crops, uh, that is the trade situation and, and what we're going to do with these crops when we harvest them. Yeah, and I understand. Um, I just saw this uh, in one mention, but uh, it's possible that the Trump administration could provide more details on their, um, um, I, don't, I, I don't know, I want to call it a bailout, but their aid package that uh, that they're looking to release, uh, they could provide more details on that uh, possibly later this week and what that will entail. They've already done a little bit of buying of uh, dairy products, 
Um, but we might get more details uh, on what they're looking at for that uh, aid package. And, you know, it, it might not be as significant for producers as they would think if, the, if we've got these higher yields because the higher yields will offset a little bit of the uh, decline in prices. And, of course, uh, there's concern in Missouri that they'll base the assistance on this year's production, which for many Missouri farmers will be very, very low and uh, could leave them out of the uh, very much assistance as well. Chris, thanks a lot. Uh, We'll see you next week at Farm Progress. Uh, I might be there. It depends on whether how hot it might get and uh, (laughs) whether I've got my sunscreen. We'll see, you know. In other words, we'll see you there. You wouldn't miss it. I'll see you at Farm Progress. Thanks, Chris. All right. Have a good day. Chris Clayton with DTN. Up next, Steve Nicholson with Bravo Research. We'll talk markets on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of a trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Hey, ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. (laughs) If weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of yellow. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. 
Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. We talked about the uh, trade situation. Just want to kind of look at that one more time, just what is um, happening, what we think might happen, or who's talking to who today. Um, It looks like Mexico's economy minister will be in Washington today for more talks with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer. Negotiators from the U.S. and Mexico have been, as we've been telling you, been meeting quite a bit for the past month, trying to work out a deal between the two countries. Canada still not at the negotiating table, and the questions continue to be, you know, when will they come back, if they will come back. Most say that they will be back perhaps this week. We will try uh, to keep an eye on this. once Canada gets back to the table, then the three countries have to reach an agreement on a number of issues. The question, of course, is whether or not a deal with Mexico puts pressure on Canada to come back in, and will they lessen some of their demands on um, you know, issues like dairy and some things like that. So we're still not sure. The meeting between um, Mexican and U.S. officials scheduled for later today, we're told that could change depending on schedules and that the Mexico's economy minister will stay in Washington uh, for a while to see you know what develops and whether more talks might take place. Canadians we're told are increasingly uh, supportive of uh, the pos- their position and their prime minister Trudeau and his cabinet and how they're handling NAFTA. There's a new poll from Canadian research. Uh, a Canadian research firm that says 56% of adults surveyed in late July said they approve of Trudeau's handling of the renegotiation. That's an 11-point increase from a previous survey conducted in December. So um, that tells you that maybe the pressure is not on the Canadian officials to get back into this or cave in or to give in to some of the demands. So uh, we will see uh, how that plays out. But um, seemingly, we're still on track to get a deal soon with Mexico. We'll see how that does play out. All right, uh, we're going to get to Steve Nicholson in a bit. But right now, I'm joined by Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Brian, thanks for joining us. You had quite a meeting last week. Well, thanks so much, Mike. I always enjoy um, getting on with you and we did. We had a busy week last week. I'll be honest, I'm a little tired. We had our 31st annual conference and a board meeting and an annual meeting combined. And as you know, we had comments due to EPA on Friday on the 2019 um, renewable volume obligations. So uh, a lot going on in, in the ethanol space these days. What was the mood? What was the attitude at your meeting last week? I think the mood was... Um, Folks are sober. They, they know that it's been a tough year. Farmers are losing money. Ethanol margins are thin. We've struggled to increase demand for um, ethanol here at home. We're certainly making progress on the margins with E15, more and more stations 
E85 blending is actually up big time because ethanol prices are so low. Um, you know, the export picture, thankfully, is very bright. But I think folks were sober knowing that we have an uphill battle um, against several refinery wins so far this year and an administration that has been saying some good things about, for example, allowing E15 to be used year-round, but then turn around, turns around and does some, some very harmful things like these small refinery exemptions that you and I have talked about many times. And so um, we talked about the fact that we have some power between now and the election, and, and folks need to try and exercise that. Yeah, I've, I'm still confused by Andrew Wheeler's comments. It seems to me we may like his uh, approach better to uh, talking about his decisions, but we may not like the decisions anymore. I guess we may like the method, but we may still not like the message. Yeah, I think that's the preliminary um, feeling we're getting. Andy Wheeler is a personable guy, and he is going to be very forthright about the, as you put it, Mike, the methods by which EPA comes to certain decisions. However, um, until some of these decisions or actions better reflect the promises that have been made from the White House or, frankly, reflect what the law says, um, you know, we, we, may, we may have more of the same uh, from EPA under Andy Wheeler. And, and I want to give him some, some time. Um, I want to uh, believe that this is, this is a, a change at EPA, but, you know, eventually um, we're going to find out, right? Are they going to change their behavior on the small refinery exemptions? Are they going to finally roll out a reed vapor pressure rule to allow blends above E10 to be used in the summer months and, and do that in a timely way and in a way, Mike, that doesn't contain, um, in our view, some sort of a poison pill, some, some additional uh, sort of regulatory victory for the refining industry who um, is doing really well financially and seemingly got in their way uh, for, for quite a while with this administration. Yeah, because we're still hearing that same rhetoric uh, from this EPA that they're looking for some type of offset, some kind of something to give to the oil industry if they grant E15 sales year-round or things like that. I mean, uh, that's the same thing that was going on before Andrew Wheeler took over. It sure is the same thing that was going on with Scott Pruitt before Andy Wheeler took over at EPA. And, goodness, you just rewind the clock and you think about all of the victories refiners have gotten, whether it's Congress um, t removing the ban on oil exports, um, enactment of the tax cuts legislation, uh, certainly benefited all American taxpayers, but many argue that the refining companies benefited probably the most from that. We have oil pipelines that have been approved. We have regulations that have been removed. We have small refinery exemptions that have been granted. Um, the only thing the refiners, frankly, haven't gotten is repeal of the RFS, Mike. I mean, 
that's the only thing on their list that they still want that that they haven't received from either Congress or EPA. And um, so so the tally is pretty long in terms of the refinery win column. And I can't imagine for the life of me what it is that uh, EPA, what what Andy Wheeler or others at EPA think they might have up their sleeves that could give you know another another victory t- for the refiners um, in attaching that to reed vapor pressure relief for higher blends. And so, what we really um, implored upon our our conference attendees last week was, you know, your vote matters between now and the midterm election. Uh, rural America certainly played a pivotal role in the 2016 election, and rural America could play a pivotal role in the midterm election. And you, you got to make sure you you use your vote wisely um, and send a message to Washington. And bottom line, uh, Brian, you you and thousands of others submitted comments on the RVO levels for next year. But even if they come out with a strong number, if they still grant the waivers. Those that number is a hollow number. That's precisely right. Um, sounds like nearly 300,000 uh, individual comments were submitted to EPA. So that's a mountain of, of paperwork to, to, to read through if you're an EPA staffer. But um, sure, on paper, EPA can claim that they're um, following the statute with a 15 billion gallon a blending target for conventional biofuel next year, but if they continue to retroactively, which means after November 30th when the uh, renewable volume obligation for 2019 is finalized, if after November 30th of this year they go in and say, okay, we're going to grant a dozen or two dozen small refinery exemptions and, and sort of reissue those RINs to those refiners, it absolutely undermines that 15 billion gallons, and it makes that number meaningless, and it violates the statute. And so that's the kind of activity we need to correct. Um, that's why, as you know, Mike, um, my organization and many others are are part of part of a lawsuit, a couple of lawsuits to to try and correct this. But you know, we, we'd like to see Administrator Wheeler. Um, correct the activity of, of Scott Pruitt and, and head in a better direction. Yeah, a lot of talk about, well, they may get the, the number announced, uh, you know, meet the deadline and get it announced on time. That would be an improvement, but we hope there's an improvement in the the overall picture and not just the announcement date. Brian, as always, thanks for the update. Glad you had a good meeting last week. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Mike. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. All right, up next, we will talk markets with Steve Nicholson, Vice President, Robo Research, Food and Agribusiness, Grains and Oil Seeds. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hey, ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. <laughs> if weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of yellow. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. 
And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network, and I'm broadcasting today from Dakota Fest that is underway in Mitchell, South Dakota. For the grain and oil seed sector, we've got a bit of a mix on this Tuesday. In the Monday crop progress report, USDA indicated crop conditions remain favorable through much of farm country. The corn crop continues to move along at a brisk pace, 44% of the crop in the dense stage. It's a healthy crop, too, 68% of the nation's corn rated good to excellent. Nebraska said to be the garden spot of the week, 84% of the corn crop there rated good to excellent. Soybeans welcoming timely rains through much of farm country last week. That helped the crop maintain impeccable crop conditions, according to the Wire Talk. According to USDA, 65% of the crop rated good to excellent. Nebraska soybeans also boasting the best conditions. 81% of that state's crop rated good to excellent. Missouri soybeans continue to struggle. Just 34% of that crop rated good or excellent. In soybean futures, trending in a narrow mix, fractional changes, new crop November, 8.93 and a quarter, down a quarter of a cent. Corn, December, 3.77 and a quarter, that is up a fraction. Chicago wheat, September, down eight and three quarters, 5.33 and a half. Kansas City wheat, six to seven cents lower. Minneapolis spring wheat, around a nickel lower. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, October up 30 cents at 110.75, December up 25 at 114.82. Cash cattle, no reportable trade yesterday. Feeder cattle, 30 to 35 cents lower. Lean hogs, 50 to 72 cents higher. On Wall Street, the Dow, 70 points higher. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the runway? You know, the fun. Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons Now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We're joined now by Steve Nicholson, grains and oilseeds analyst for Robo Research. Steve, thanks for joining us. We're into that uh, crop predicting time of year, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. Good morning, Mike. We are exactly right in the heart of that right now. So a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, project- projections and crop tours and uh, you know everyone trying to get a handle on this crop i think it's safe to say we're going to have a pretty big crop overall yeah i think that's exactly right and, and i think that's the thing is that you know 
look at, I mean, I just in your market report, you're talking about Nebraska and how good the crop looks good there. I've been around a lot of Iowa. It looks good. I mean, there's some spots, obviously, that are, you know, look a little tougher. Missouri's struggling, as we've talked before. Uh, but you, in Minnesota, there's some spots that are tough because of all the rain I've had early. Illinois' crop, I think, is still a good crop. Uh, I, some people there have talked about how dry it has been the last several weeks there and thinks it's probably taken the top off. But the fact is, you're going to have a big crop, and I think that's what you know we talk a lot about in our baseline forecast for for 2018 forward. So, okay, so we go into harvest with that uh, as the backdrop, as well as the ta- trade tensions that continue on. <laughs> uh, what does that mean market-wise? I, it doesn't sound like there's much chance of things getting bullish here real soon. No, and that's the really that's the really you know kind of the sad news or the bad news of going into this. When we did our 10-year baseline for soybeans and for corn and wheat both, um, we do see uh, a pretty persistent trend uh, that prices are going to be under pressure during that 10-year, you know, 10-year baseline. And just to give kind of listeners an idea, when you look at when we look at soybeans, and that's the the report that has been out now, just just a little bit, and the the corn and wheat one was released just yesterday, last late last night. Um, you know, we look at prices for soybeans and and what i i like to look at them this way and think about you know 75 percent probability that you know soybean prices are going to be trading under you know or be used cash prices let's put that uh, define that cash so national receipt price will be under nine dollars during that 10-year baseline so it it just doesn't look very promising going forward um but i have to say one thing i mean you know and, and part of that is you know you mentioned the trade talks i mean that's or trade issues that is one thing certainly that's pressuring soybeans but the other piece is that you know you look over that 10-year baseline we just have pretty high stocks of soybeans and as we saw i will call it the eye-popping you know almost 800 million bushel carryover on soybeans for 1819 out of usda here last week um you know that's that's really putting a lot of pressure on soybean prices and going to put pressure on acres and i think that's the other piece is when we look at those acres going forward whether we had china as a customer or not uh, we were going to see lower soybean acres in 19 just because of just the huge stocks going forward. Uh, and that's just, you know, that's just the reality of what's happened when we look at the S&D. We can produce a crop. Now, maybe this year will be the exception, but it seems like we can produce a crop under not less than ideal conditions going forward. You know, and that's interesting, too. I mean, we didn't know coming into this year that we'd have all the trade issues that we have right now right. so i um, mean we assumed we we would be selling more to say to china and places like that yeah but we did know we did know coming in that we were going to plant a lot of soybeans so some of this uh, not totally a surprise that we're going to have a lot of soybeans no not at all and, and that's and that's the thing you know we knew that going in but we just didn't know how bad it was going to be i i think the other thing you know that we have to recognize with soybeans is that you know, from a demand perspective, you know, we continue to see good demand for soybeans globally or oil seeds globally. And, you know, U.S. crush margins have been really, really good. Um, you know, they've, they've been up and down a little bit, but they've still been very solid. And so I, I think that's the thing that, you know, when we kind of, when we went through this and we kind of all sat around the table and talked about it and what the results were, I think one of the other things to think about is that, you know, U.S., and, and this is something that just kind of came to me when I was we were going through the report and think about is uh, put the trade in perspective is that U.S. soybeans are going to find their way to China some way somehow. I mean, it, because you the world you have three large producers of soybeans: the United States, Brazil, and Argentina, and you have no more. So you've got.
got to they'll go there. But at the same time, rounding back to crush is, it, does the United States now become more a seller of products globally? Do we sell more meal and more oil globally than we have before rather than raw soybeans? I, I think that's you know an interesting thing to consider and think about. And it does have implications up and down the chain because you, instead of selling just raw beans, you're selling products, which is a different supply chain and different logistics needs and all those sorts of things. So I think that's why well, I, I think that's something to pay attention to and think about long term is maybe the United States becomes a bigger user or bigger in exporter of products going forward. So I think that's you know I think that's the other thing. But you're right in that you know we had big soybeans big soybean crop coming into this year despite the trade and that's just going to put like with corn corn in particular you know both corn and wheat it's going to make margins really difficult we're talking with steve nicholson with robo research steve looking for what could be even if it's a short-term uh rally here as we go into yep. harvest i would i would think if they come out with an announcement we've struck a deal with mexico that i mean the market and everyone is so starved for some good <laughs> trade news. I would think there would be a there would be a bump at least for a while there, wouldn't there? Oh, I think you're right. And whether it's and, and I I sort of jokingly say this, you know, you know, when you talk to folks, I say, you know, we're one tweet away from, you know, from really good news or a disaster. And mm-hmm. you know, we could be one tweet away, and this thing psychologically would be a boost to the market for sure. Um, and I think that's something we have to think about is that would we think about what's happened in this administration since, you know, since its exception is that things happen very quickly and they happen kind of out of the blue unexpectedly. And so we have to kind of be prepared for that. And the markets, you're absolutely right. I think psychologically that would be a huge boost to the markets um, and we would see prices go go up. But I have to say one thing just you know, from a, from a good news perspective also. I do kind of believe that soybean and corn prices are probably they've already put their lows in for the year. You know, I think they'll they'll be headed up a little bit from where we are now. And I and actually, I will tell you, once we got the crop report last week and we saw what crop production is going to be, I think the market or two weeks ago now, I guess I should say, once the market saw that, I think the market's now sort of capped itself into a range that I think it will be in through harvest at this point. Unless now, part of that depends upon weather. If we get you know, really open weather and that harvest all comes to market immediately, then you probably could potentially go back and revisit those lows. But I do think that probably the lows are in that we're now in a trading range until we get some news like you've mentioned in your question, whether it's about trade, whether it's with Mexico, whether it's with China, um, and go forward there. Hmm. Interesting. I would guess if you you see a rally, you better be ready uh, to pull a trigger quick. No, and, and that's a really good point. And I think one thing, when we did our analysis on prices, yes, if you see a rally, you need to take that opportunity, and particularly in soybeans. When we looked at our price probabilities and look at the ranges in those price probabilities, when you look at soybeans, those ranges are pretty narrow. And so your opportunity, and that tells me, the next question is, your opportunities in soybeans are very, your price opportunities for selling, if you're a, if a buyer, if you're a seller, are going to be very limited. Corn, you may have some more opportunities there, but I think those opportunities are going to come early in the crop year because you're going to see with soybean prices so depressed, farmers will probably more than likely go back to corn because they see that as a more uh, you know, more potential for yield and more upside potential on price to lock in a margin that would be positive or at least break even. So I think that's the other thing to think about is your opportunity costs or opportunities for upside is probably more so 
there in corn than it is in soybeans here right now. Let's talk, go back to corn for a moment. I hear yep. farmers say, oh, I still need to clean out a bin or two or things like that. <laughs> I'm assuming a lot of this is going in storage. Yes, and that's, that's a really good question because one of the things that we have seen on our travels this summer and talking to producers, a lot of them have said, I'm just going to put it away and lock it away until next winter and see how, where the market is. And, and my concern with that is, first of all, just the premise of your question is there's a lot of corn still in the country locked in a bin. And so I, I always talk, particularly now as you get, you know, as we finish old crop here in the next week, um, we have more and more corn that has to come to market in a shorter, shorter period of time. And if we have this crop, old crop that's still in the bin, and we add new crop on top of that, you just, it continues to hold that, if you say that, that gray or black cloud over the market and saying, the market knows that there's corn in the country out there, and there's no incentive for them, there's very little incentive for them to bid prices up to try to get corn out because they know corn's in the country and eventually will come out. And particularly as you get toward March 1, uh, as you get rental payments due, as you get, you know, crop inputs, you know, costs come there, you know, people will start to liquidate, you know, crops to, to move them and to pay some bills. And so I, my concern is that Futures has done most of the downside work here, um, whether it's because of the size of the crop or because of trade. And my concern is that basis levels are going to get a lot sloppier as we go forward, as we get into harvest and we get it next year with a big crop. We have the trade thing, and basis will get just get a lot sloppier. And I think that's where, you know, you may, if you're in a position where you need to move some corn or you need to make some sales, my, my first is I would certainly look at that basis level and maybe try to block some of that basis level in now before it gets even even more wider before we get into harvest. Yeah, I was just thinking next year it could be it, it's going to be fascinating because if yep. we get some trade deals done, it'll look like wow, the door's open, let's go for it. But if this if these things linger on, there's going to be a lot of hesitancy to uh, to you know feel safe uh, about uh, uh, you know what we're going to do with all this. So uh, next year is just going to be fascinating, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. And if you you're right, if we get this thing settled, we open the door, then it's it's all it's all you know, Katie bar the door. But you know, my one caution of that, one of the things we noticed in looking at our baseline forecast and kind of tweaking it and playing with it and giving it some scenarios is that if you get a rise in prices, for example, you know, the the, the natural reaction for farmers is to plant more to capture those prices. But what happens in the long run is you get that spike in prices. Let's say it's because of a drought, and we'll pick on Missouri here and to say that you get this spike in, in prices and then people plan everything and then what happens in the next several years is prices go down and prices are actually right. less than they were if we just had normal weather. And so wow. you know, I think the caution is let's be smart about how we manage our, our crop production right. and, and prices going forward. That's a big challenge and uh, always uh, it is. interesting, tough decisions. Thanks, Steve. It is. You're welcome. Steve Nicholson on AOA. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power swabs risk-free call 866-504-0276 that's 866-504-0276 i guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look try it risk-free today 866-504-0276 866-504-0276 most of us like to be out in the sun that's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538. Immediately, that's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Well, crop tours going on, finding a lot of good crops out there. That's not the case, especially in northern Missouri. Gene Miller farms near St. Joseph, Missouri, and uh, he joins us now. And Let's start with good news, Gene. You finally did get some rain, right? Yeah, we got some good news, Mike, to share. We finally got a good rain. And this was not a storm. This was a rain that just came straight down for about oh, 18 hours or so and left anywhere from one and a half to 1.8 to 2.2, 2.6 inches of rain over a pretty good-sized piece of geography. It wasn't one of these spotty showers, which is all we've got for the last couple of years. Will so it help it your really beans? started to cool things off and green up a little bit. Will it help your beans? Uh, definitely. It will definitely help beans. Now, the beans are really short around here. There's a few places that maybe in a creek bottom someplace where they have, you know, a little more moisture early on that they've got good heights. But uh, there are potting and setting a lot of pods. And, and frankly, I really don't care if they're only knee high, if they've got, you know, a lot of pods on them full of beans. And they were just uh, really starting to uh, want to fill, and uh, this rain may uh, give it enough moisture uh, to where they can proceed in that process where we can get at least uh, 70% of a bean crop. But tell us the, the news on the corn. You've been uh, going in, uh, well, checking some of that out. Well, a different story. <laughs> we did uh, take combine the field last Saturday. We've had neighbors around us running for several days. Uh and just to find out kind of what we're dealing with, we knew the moisture is probably still a little bit high because it's going even because you'll have a little low spot where it's still green and then it's dead. Uh, we found out that the defensive hybrid that uh, planted early and a little early in maturity uh, had a better yield than we anticipated, you know, running into 125, 130 bushel per acre range. I don't know where it came from. Uh, but, you know, we moved up the road a half a mile, pulled into another hybrid that, it was the latest and greatest and best and, the, you know, the most expensive variety. And it was running 60, 70, 80, and uh, just full of charcoal rock. I mean, and it's all over the territory. I talked to, you know, some fertilizer and chemical reps uh, and dealers, and they say, well, it's all over. And so the combine went from, you know, bright and shiny to black. <laughs> so mm. that's kind of disgusting, and, and it's so foggy that, Going west at a three mile an hour rain rate and a three mile an hour east wind, I couldn't even see the header. So it's uh, going to be kind of fun, but maybe this two inches of rain will wash all that stuff off. Now, meanwhile, we we hear that in Missouri now, what they're going to have some kind of a lottery to maybe you get a chance to to get some water and maybe some grazing on uh, well, on public yeah, land. Yeah, my understanding, and you were at the state fair, and Governor Parsons was there, and we're fortunate in the state of Missouri. We have a governor, Governor Parsons, that's a farmer rancher down southwest Missouri. He had to start feeding some hay at his cows. He understands how bad the situation is. And so in the state parks and the state-owned uh, real estate, there's, oh, maybe 900 acres of hayable 
uh, land, and they're going to have a lottery to see who gets to, uh, you know, put that up for hay. Of course, it's so late in the season, the quality's got to be pretty common. But the other thing is water and access to the Missouri Department of Conservation lakes. And there's a lot of those around the state. Missouri Department of Conservation has a lot of lakes. And uh, so they're going to have a system where farmers can, can acquire some water for there for, for the cattle and the livestock because you can even buy water. And um, right, I'll just tell you right now, they're, they're yesterday they started laying a pipeline right across our farm here to run, uh, and this is like irrigation pipe, six and a half miles to pump water out of a conservation lake uh, for about a week or 10 days into the Cameron, Missouri Reservoir system. So that's how dramatic it is, and thank goodness the, the state all knows about this now. I think they had a lot of meetings at the state fair and got some cooperation from the Department of Conservation that has a lot of water resources that are going to make available for farmers and livestock producers and, and some of our small-town uh, water supplies that are really getting desperate for water. Yeah, taking uh, some uh, extreme measures to help wherever they can. Uh, Gene, when I was at the State Fair, the talk was concern about any aid or assistance package for farmers would be based on this year's production, which w- would mean for many Missouri farmers little to no aid at all. Well, yeah, that's kind of sad because there was so much of our corn produced, at least, that was cut for silage. But, you know, the soybeans, we don't know, but... You know, we're our last year and the last two years, our soybean yields have been running right around sixty bushel or better, and uh, there's just not a not a chance of getting anywhere close to that kind of a yield. While the rest of the country, you know, is having you know those kind of yields are better. So, yeah, we're going to be a little on the short side for the, whatever that program is worth. There is some apparently some grazing loss and cattle loss uh, scenarios that uh, there's programs that are becoming available. Limited understanding of that right now, but you got to kind of sign up your FSA office and certify the number of cows on July the 15th or July 10th or something like that, and see how much you can qualify for. But it, uh, it it's just a stopgap measure. There's no replacement for you know a recapture of 15 inches of, of rainfall that we're deficient for the for the last year. So how much corn have you seen already cut where they just went ahead and took it out? times for sure gene thanks for a lot and glad you got some rain and uh, thanks for keeping us up to date we appreciate it 
That's right. Thanks, Gene. Gene Miller, who farms in the St. Joseph, Missouri area. They finally got some rain. It'll help, but they still need a lot more help. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day.